Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I miss you, man. I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you, I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you. And hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast and ours. I'm Ishi Man. My name's Dylan. His name's Lonnie, I reckon. You are correct. Yes. Hold on. Beautiful. Okay. I passed the test. <laughs> Lonnie, why don't you tell me, because I really need to know what the show's all about. Dylan, I thought you'd know by now, but... <laughs> no, I'm clueless, mate. I'll I'm remind clueless. you one more time. This is Thank it. you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Last time. I miss you, man. You, me, miss each other. Old Mm. friends getting back together every week to go on a journey. And that journey is through life, pop culture, and everything, and I mean everything, in between. That's right, Lonnie. That's right. And this time, it's my turn to take you on a journey. And you did a little bit of homework for this one. I did. We say everything, but wrestling seems to come up fairly often. Yeah, yeah, that is true, that is true. <laughs> but it's wrestling, but it's also documentary we're looking at in particular. Mm-hmm. Our first documentary series. Well, I, right? I wouldn't say that. I would say Louis Theroux documentary. No, oh, I completely forgot about Louis. He, he sucks. <laughs> no, anyway, you, anyway. You blocked that anyway. out because I picked the best episodes. Anyway, so Dark Side of the Rings what we're looking at. <laughs> Uh, it's a documentary series produced by Vice TV, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. And they basically just tackle these. And there is so many. These like darker stories about the the ugly side of wrestling, if we're being honest. It's a peek behind the, the curtain, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. I usually get like interviews with people that were relevant to the situation or even participants mm-hmm. of the situation mm-hmm. at the time. And they just kind of interviewed them, get their thoughts on what happened, looking back. And they kind of intercut it with these, like, out-of-focus recreations of some scenes. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. It's really terrific. And for someone like me who knows, I'm a very casual fan, right? Um, And this is, like, a really good introduction to some of the most interesting, thorny, controversial topics and controversial people involved in in wrestling. Mm. And so, yeah, if you... Really not interesting at all. It's not a barrier for this, I don't think. No, definitely not. Definitely not. The mark of a good documentary series, Lonnie. Because um, I'm i familiar with probably just over two-thirds mm-hmm. of the subjects they've tackled so far. Um, but the, for the third I wasn't familiar with, I wasn't really lost at any point. Mm. I knew what was happening. So Yeah, and of course, it's like a 45-minute episode overview of that subject, so... You know, yeah. if you wanted, to, if it's a good jumping off point, you're not going to learn every single thing, but you do get a really good overview. So, for sure, for sure, and they're good with who they interview too. They do get the people you would want most to be interviewed. Yeah, great access about these yeah. stories. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's a couple that they missed opportunities just because 
WWE doesn't like participating in it. So if you're under contract with WWE at the time, you won't mm. be on this. But And they're very protective of the brand, aren't they, and the stories and the people. And... Oh, yeah, they like to pretend they're perfect. But oh well. <laughs> and and I, sadly, I... probably probably most of these dark stories are about the WWE. So, Well, when you're the yeah. biggest and the best, you've got the, the worst as well. And you've been around for yeah. the longest. So yeah. it a bit unfair, but still, yeah. They could acknowledge their shortcomings. But from season two onwards, every episode also narrated by Chris Jericho, yeah, my yeah. boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and for me as well, like I'm a casual fan. I've pretty much just done it for the podcast that we've been doing over the last year or so. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, wrestling, Shawn Michaels, that, that's pretty much <laughs> where I've been doing it. A lot of matches. Yes. Antonio Noki, though, that, he got a few mentions. I was like, oh, I know him. I know that name. I was All like... Right. Leo putting at the screen, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm really into is the intersection, you know, between the sort of sport and performance in theatre and reality and all that sort of those issues to do with wrestling. That's I think that's what everyone loves, the blurred line between reality and fiction. Absolutely. And you know, that's especially highlighted here in the Brawl for All episode. But it's kind of the premise of the whole documentary series, isn't it? It's like, let's peek behind the curtain, let's see what's going on, and let's treat it seriously, and but also acknowledge that what we're doing is performance as well. So Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. There's some kooky characters again in oh, I'll tell you that. Some of the quirkiest, kookiest guys I've ever met. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Where do you want to start? Do you want to go in chronological order or you just want to go with whatever you want to talk about? Well, yeah, I'll, if we can go through them the way I watched them, that would be great. Was there a logic okay. to the episodes you chose or just the best ones? No, just the ones I liked Yep. Okay. for the most part and ones that I felt uh, you didn't need too much backstory on Sure. for sure. you. So. Okay, well, the first one I watched was The Killing of Bruiser Brody. This was the pilot, it was season one, episode one, uh-huh. uh, and it's about the murder of wrestling legend Bruiser Brody in, I think, 1988, I believe it yes, was. Yes, I think it was, yeah. Um, where what? was it in? Was it in In Mexico? Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So this is a really interesting time in wrestling from what I um, know about. Mm. It's, you know, WWE was on TV, wasn't it? But yeah. still, a lot of the blokes were having to go around going to different promotions and touring kind of almost all year, right? Well over half the year they were on tour. Yeah, so WWE hadn't completely taken over all the territories at this point. Okay. So, there, yeah, there were a few companies knocking about at this time. Yeah. And one of the most famous touring them was Bruce Brody. Yeah, and he, he was known to go to lots of different places and he was a bit volatile by the sounds of it and didn't like losing and... <laughs> kind of very yeah. much he was very confident in his abilities wasn't he yeah I mean the character he portrayed was basically like just how would you describe it as like just an insane wild man who just basically. beats the shit out of people really yeah yeah not someone you could reason with and not someone no. you'd want to meet in a dark alley at night no no definitely and they they played this footage several times of when he would go into the crowd and people just flee. They were so scared of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what he was yeah, capable definitely. of. Yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. Late 70s, early 80s, people still under the impression that it was real for the most part. So yeah, yeah, yeah. As we'll, as we'll talk about later. But. Yes, well, exactly. 
Um, the thing about the touring though is that it's really hard to have a normal life when you're doing that. You can't raise a family because they're at home. You can't have a proper relationship with someone who isn't on tour with you for, you know, 75% of the year, if not more. Yeah. But also at the same time, you can't support your family without being on tour and going all this and having the same different promotions. You're going to go around the country. You've got to try and get eyeballs and bums and seats. And so you've got to, at least Bruce Brody was in that hardcore wrestling where, yeah, they were blading and stuff like that. It's just it's a really catch twenty two because you could stay home and be the a good dad, but then your career is being out there and cutting yourself and getting into fights on for, on stage. It's like that's you can you can, you can kind of see how your life can get a bit out of whack, right? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. He did have a wife and kids, and and she seemed to understand the the life of a wrestler on the road for the most part, but like how she seemed in the interviews. Oh, yeah, nothing about him in particular. He seemed like he was doing all his best oh, no, for his life. just in general, it's difficult. Yeah, well, it's very difficult. It's difficult when you're, you're not at home every day with your family. <laughs> yeah. It's a quote-unquote regular job. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I also thinking about this, this Bruiser Brody, sorry, just, he's like that wild man performance. That's not something, like he has to tap into something really deep inside of you to do that, right? And... In the terms of wrestling, like you're fully into it, you can't. It's not like you're in a film set where the director can say cut and you've got time to reset. It's like no, once you're out there, you're out there, hundred percent. There's no stopping you. That would be difficult. Got to respect that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And he he was a monster of a man too. Mm. He was like, um, just shy of seven feet, I think, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, former former football player, wasn't he? So yeah. Definitely. But, but yeah. a sweet guy underneath it all, underneath that persona. It seemed to be, seemed to be. He didn't get out of character too much, but mm. there was like a portion of this where there was an interview out of character. And yeah, seemed like a lovely normal bloke. But as he said before, he doesn't like to lose on me. That's, um, that's difficult, isn't it, when you're wrestling? <laughs> when you're in predetermined matches. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it seems like he would just kind of go into business for himself some of the time mm. it seems and he would kind of force himself to win which is you know not being too cooperative in a sport that requires a lot of cooperation Bruiser Brody but kind of against the spirit isn't it in some ways can be can be I think there was a match um he had with Lex Luger he's another famous wrestling legend mm. I think they're in a steel cage and um he was just no selling Lex Luger's offense, and it was confusing him a lot. And basically, no selling means that, like, you're not selling the impact of moves. Like, you're not pretending to be hurt. So, and that confused Lex. Like, you could see it, actual, genuine, visible confusion. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. So, yeah, it might have been a bit difficult to work with if, um, especially if you didn't have his respect. Mm. Um which yeah, is the case with was it Invader 1 or 3? Invader 1, I think he was. He's Invader 1, yeah. Jose Gonzalez is, the, is his name. So the piece should, of shit, yeah. Yeah, so we should get into it. So there was, I didn't, have to admit, I didn't quite follow all the business ins and outs, but basically he went, so Rizzo Brody went to Puerto Rico mm-hmm. um, to do, go to the wrestling circuit there. Which was, if if you think America was wild back then, Puerto Rico was even wilder. Oh, insane! Yeah, insane. Anything goes. And I think um, he wrestled a match initially with Invader One, mm. and he just legitimately beat the shit out of him. And 
Invader One basically held a grudge ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And and also there was some some sort of funny behind the scenes stuff going with the business side of things. But it seems like yeah, it was from that that grudge grew and grew and grew. Yeah, apparently Bruce Brody like purchased part of a territory in Puerto mm. Rico, I think, from him from Invader One and Carlos Cologne. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's you know, some issues with money and Yeah. Yeah. Now, we'll go into the episodes because, like, you're probably listening to this because you like the show or if you want to go watch it, go watch it now. But he gets murdered, Dylan. Straight up murdered. He does in the middle of the locker room. You don't murder people when there are witnesses around, but also maybe do it. You get away with it. Bloody hell. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, And who they interviewed for this? So they got uh, Abdul the Butcher, who is mad. Yeah, Insane. that's one of my questions here. What are your thoughts on him, Dylan? So, I don't know if you look too much into it, but he's a bit of a controversial figure. Um, he kind of would wrestle when he had AIDS and didn't tell anyone. Uh, and obviously, he one of his gimmicks is he bleeds a lot, which not okay, right? He was spreading that, those he was. yeah. He was, sadly. There was a young wrestler that caught it from him, which is, yeah... Disgusting, let's be honest. Yeah, jeez. You should, you need to tell people if that's what's happening with you. So, yeah, he's he's not the best guy, and he also seems a bit off his tree. Yes, I think so. Um, On the other hand, though, Tony Atlas was interviewed. He seemed like a really nice guy. Oh, Tony Atlas is great. I love Tony Atlas. Yeah, Yeah, from all accounts I've seen, he's he's a real sweetheart from everything I've seen. That's awesome. And Lonnie, fun fact. Tony Atlas also has a fetish for women stepping on his face. What are your thoughts? Can I get your thoughts on that? Is there a reason you've told me that in particular? Or? I just want to get your thoughts on it. What do you reckon? I mean, that's interesting and, you know, not hurting okay. anybody. Go for it. Well, hurting someone, but... That's but he, he wants it. That's the point. Okay. Beautiful. I'm glad you're on board. That's great. Uh, but no, he's good. He's former Mr. USA. So he's big guy. Yeah. Big guy. And still... To this day, hmm. still big. It is interesting seeing the older wrestlers on this interview being interviewed for this, isn't it? Because you can you can still see it, can't you? For the most part, their their body shapes and whatnot. Especially, well, particularly Abdullah. You could can keep quarters in the in the scars in his head. That's well, how many times he's bladed himself. I over read the that years. apparently he can put poker chips in his head. There you go. There you go. I think he's proud of that too. I think I heard him say so. Different time, hey? Back different 80s, time. 70s. Different time. Yeah. Um, and particularly in Puerto Rico. So, as you said, he gets stabbed in the locker room and then there's a police investigation and the witnesses to this investigation... Yeah, Tony Atlas saw it happen. He saw it happen and he was there. He, he brought the body down. he saved his life momentarily as well. Yeah. yeah. And apparently they, they couldn't, because he was so big, the, they're having trouble moving his body and Tony Atlas had to move it. Like, what a horrible thing to do to one of your mates, right? Like, to have to, like, you know, in some ways it's, it's great you can be there to help, but also having to go through that, that'd be shocking and oh. PTSD for sure. But Yeah, horrifying. It's it's some, obviously something he's been carrying for a lot of years because at one point um, he was just like, I just want to tell the story. Can I tell the story? Because I've, I've wanted to tell it for so long. I've been waiting so long. Yeah. So That's quite a powerful moment. Yeah. No, God bless him. God bless Tony Atlas. So the police... Didn't investigate it, or 
were paid off or well, for whatever reason it wasn't it was treated well, as self-defense so yeah it's weird because so tony atlas went with bruiser brady to the hospital um and when he came back the show was still going like they hadn't stopped the show mm. and everyone in the locker room was laughing and and i think tony atlas said that was the most horrible thing he could ever imagine seeing is everyone laughing when Bruiser Brody just got stabbed? Awful. And then apparently the police were there and they were saying, did you see what happened? And he's like, yeah, it was that guy right there. And he <laughs> pointed yeah. to Invader 1. Yeah, right up. And they're, like, and they're like, oh, that's not what everyone else is saying. They're saying a crazy fan did it. So like, what? Shocking. Shocking stuff, shocking stuff. And then, Tony <laughs> is great. He's like, no, nah, it was that motherfucker right there. Yeah, yeah. I saw it happen. I saw it happen. Um, and then basically what happened is that they were obviously going to hold a court date for the trial mm. and they just never contacted Tony Atlas to be mm. a witness. The guy who literally said, I saw it happen. Yes. Yeah. Insane. And then the bloody friggin'... What are they called? The jury. Mm. The jury let him off because they assumed that wrestling was real and they believed his story that it was self-defense because they just figured Bruiser Brady is insane and a crazy man and Invader One was just defending himself. That is nuts. That is just amazing, isn't it, that they would, that that would happen and you kind of, you get away with it based off the predetermined nature. <laughs> like it's just really horrid way to look at wrestling, isn't it? And, Oh, it's like a perfect crazy. storm, I think I've written here. It's just, yeah. Yeah, Gross. horrible stuff, horrible stuff. But, you know, a very good documentary episode. And, yeah, just the way that Tony Atlas tells the whole story, basically from how he got stabbed to how Invader One didn't get convicted is very engaging. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it just shows you, just shows you how, you know, power, money, all that influence can can prevent justice, sadly. Mm. Sadly, yeah. But, you know, as far as pilot episodes of series go, Lonnie, ooh, yeah, amazing. Got me, in, got me in for sure. Up there, up there. Yeah. So that was our first one. And then what did we watch, Lonnie? The Brawl for All came next, Dylan. Yeah, season two, episode four, Brawl for All. And, yeah, no one dies in this episode, although there are some legitimate injuries. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> in simple terms... It's for me, it's like, kind of seems like a good idea. Does it? <laughs> well, does it though? In, in some ways it does. In some ways. The idea well, is for that, those, okay, yeah, you, you go yeah. first, you go first. Well, I was just going to say, for those who don't know, so it's about the Brawl for All tournament, which is held in WWE in the 90s, mid 90s, as the brainchild of head writer at the time, Vince Russo. And the concept is basically just have the wrestlers actually fight each other instead of pretending to and choreographing stuff just put some boxing gloves on them and tell them to fuck each other up see that, that is the, pretty much it that's what i think like in some ways it's like all right let's sort it out just put the gloves on and we'll see who the best fighter is because they you know they fight and that they just see it's sorted out once and for all right yeah but none of them know how to fight well that's the thing and and <laughs> Which is really funny because you don't think about it. Like, you have to assume, of course, they know a bit about a fight. Like, you know, it's their job is to, to do this, you know, even if it is in a predetermined way that, you know, they're they're fighting. Surely they're big, tough guys. But then just cut right to the end. There's a, there's a bit where 
one of the wrestlers gets in the ring with an actual boxer and you're like, oh my God, that's how you fight. <laughs> that's actually yes. legitimately his boxing. Yep. He's not just yeah. running around. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, the rules for the tournament, I would say it's kind of like UFC, I guess. Yeah. So it's most... Pull it's mostly down. focused on boxing, but you know they do get points for takedowns yeah. and and all that. Yeah. So the thing I'm thinking of though, Dylan, the thing that really interrupted or caused this to, to all fall over, I think, was that if the idea is to let them fight for real, let them fight for real. Don't try to to put your thumb on the scales, which that's what they're trying to do. I think mm. if they just sort of let it happen, let them fight legitimately, and then. Let the chips fall where they may. Whoever wins will give them a go. Maybe that would have worked, but no, they were, they they couldn't help themselves to try and push someone. Hey, that is true. That is true. But I think what was the, like the big prize it was like you get a hundred thousand dollars and you get a main event run with Stone Cold Steve Austin as the champ at the time. Yeah, something like that. yeah, a big, pretty one of the big monetary thing, and then get a big push. Yeah, yeah, one of the biggest names in wrestling on Stone Cold. Mm. But you're right, they were trying to get someone to win in particular. <laughs> uh, and that was the recently signed Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Yeah. And as JR said, it, it was not a sin to have faith in Dr. Death because as JR says, he was a fucking four-time All-American and they don't give that stuff away. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. So, it, you know, I don't blame them for wanting him to win, but... Well, it kind of seems Again, like anything can happen if they're having real fights. Well, so. they were trying it both ways. They're like, let's do it for real and let the guys fight and sort it out. But also, we want this guy to win. Well, you can't really have it both ways, can you? Like, it'd be good if he wins, if that's how it all works out. But I think that's that's what Jim Cornette said at the end. He was like, Vince was probably like, okay, I'll let them fight for real, but as long as I can pick the matchups, I can fuck around with it a bit. Yeah. No. What do you think of um, Jim Cornette? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think of Vince Russo? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with both these men for a while. I like Vince Russo. So, uh, he, a lot of people credit him with all the the big moments in the Attitude Era mm. in wrestling. I think Jim Ross has said one time, Vince Russo probably has thousands of ideas, and then Vince McMahon picks the one that's good. Uh, and rolls with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> There's some nuggets in a lot of the shit that Vince Russo puts forth because mm. after he was done with WWE, he went to WCW, okay. which was their rival at the time. And that was him unleashed and he basically tanked the company. <laughs> so there was some awful stuff. Like David Arquette became world champion, Lonnie. Yeah, I read that. I was like, okay, it's a... Didn't think I'd ever read that, but okay. It's a, it's Madness. Nice and I think Vince Russo was one champ too at one point, so. He wrote himself Not into good. it a bit, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, he, he seems like a pretty cool guy, to be honest. I think, yeah. He, He's pretty laid back. He seemed laid back and he was kind of like, you know, people want to watch stuff that's interesting. Even if that stuff is kind of shitty and horrible, it's still interesting and entertaining, so... Let's give it to him. What yeah. would you say that um, the basic skeleton for how they wrote Monday Night Raw in the nineties was basing it off like the Jerry Springer show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it worked on one level because Bill came back and they won the ratings war, and you know they're still around, and the other one isn't, even though it might be useful as well. Well, I think a lot of people forget that 
a lot of the Attitude Era was pretty shit. Right, they remember the good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Because the good stuff was really good. Yeah. But the bad stuff was really bad. The impression like, I get from him as well, sorry, dropped Vince Russell. No, you're right. He's just that, yeah, he, he's pretty good at spinning his own story. Um, oh, so, 100%. So, yeah. Yeah, I think what you're saying there is like, Everything good was was him was what he would say, and everything bad was because someone else, yeah, interrupted him or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you basically have the opposite side of the coin of Vince Russo mm. in Jim Cornette, who, if I had to describe him, I would kind of liken him to that mean restaurant critic in Ratatouille. <laughs> yeah. Like he's so cold and mean. And <laughs> Jim Cornette, he loves wrestling. Yeah. He loves it too much. He loves it too much. He doesn't like a lot of it. <laughs> he is very critical because um, he does like a podcast where he reviews mm. like all the current wrestling and just basically shits all over him all the time. Really? It's like back in my day it was better sort of thing or...? Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Because what I've written here as well is that he's very interested in the sanctity of wrestling. Yes, and yeah. like on on one level, that's that's totally fine. You should you should take things seriously, but also let's face it, it's wrestling. It should be a bit of fun as well. Yes. Which he doesn't which seem been to through so his point. Yeah. yeah. So if they could somehow meet in the middle, it'd be perfect. Oh, mate! <laughs> if you could have the best of both those two worlds. Yeah. Oh my god, they would be a wrestling genius. Yeah, totally. We should mention it seems like Jim Cornette has legitimately um, threatened violence against Vince. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. In another, that... yeah, in another episode, he says um, he is going to outlive Vince Russo so he can piss on his grave. <laughs> and I think the courts might have got involved with some sort of restraining oh, order yeah. at some point. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, bizarre. No love lost. No love lost. No, not at all. Um, and, and it's funny seeing that play out in their different retellings of the brawl for all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, but, you know, I was, so how did it get started, Lonnie? It got started because it was Vince, wasn't it? He just got pissed off that this one Vince wrestler Russo, yeah. was, talking, was talking himself up and we like, I could beat you all. And he's like, no, you couldn't. And, like, and so started. the brawl for all began. Well, yeah. Who was wrestler again? I Bradshaw at the time is JBL. He'd later be known. Okay. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. He's really great wrestler, but he, from all accounts, I don't think I've heard anyone say anything great about him. Mm. Everyone's pretty much said he's a massive prick backstage. So, but you know, great wrestler, Hall of Famer. Well, that's a, yeah. That's the issue with the other issue for all, for all is that it was all the guys who weren't the biggest names because the biggest names are like, I'm not going to get in there and get hurt or <laughs> yes. get embarrassed. Pretty much, yeah. It's all the mid-card blokes, really. Yeah. They did have a couple of USC fighters in their roster at the time, though. They had Ken Shamrock, who just didn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, and then they did have Steve Blackman, okay. who won the first round, but then he pulled out afterwards because he was worried about his reputation as a fighter. Sure. So. Sure. But yeah, a lot of them were mid-card blokes. Um, probably the most mid-card of mid-card blokes that you can imagine. Mm. Bart Gunn. <laughs> so do you like him? Oh, I mean, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. He he had a he had a, he had a bigger uh, bigger career in Japan than he had in the United sure, States. Sure. Because they can just appreciate 
great wrestlers they don't need to care about characters too much yeah he seemed really nice and seemed to be genuine on level sort of guy yeah and i you know he sort of guy you have a good beer with him but i can kind of also see why he wasn't one of the top guys he just seemed like a oh yeah he's, he's not too charismatic or no good on the mic which you needed in the Attitude Era at the time. Yeah. You needed to be a, a fun character. And that's almost kind of like the, the, the fact that they were there trying to, yeah, put their thumb on the scales is like karma that they got a guy who won who was not the sort of guy who they wanted to win. Yeah, well, spoiler alert, yeah, Bart Gunn does win. Yeah. And he wins easily. He carves through everyone in that tournament. Yeah, did a good job. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but he did find Dr. Death Steve Williams, I think, in the quarterfinals. Mm. Um, and he did say to him, he said, he was like, well, you know, you can save us till the finals and I'm happy to work with you. Because everyone knew that backstage they wanted Dr. Death to win. Mm. But everyone's just giving him shit. They're like, we're not worried about Dr. Death, Bart. Come on, mate. <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh, you're going to knock out Dr. Death, are you? And that just pissed Bart Gunn off. Yeah. And he knocked the fuck out of Dr. Death uh, and injured him and basically his career was over after that. Yeah, but Karma. Well, exactly. But also, there were so many injuries in this tournament, Lonnie. Yeah, and not just like obviously the, the big head injuries that we'd think of, but... Like concussions and that, no. Yeah, yeah. ACLs are getting snapped and hamstrings and stuff because they weren't fighters. They didn't know how to fight properly, did they? Well, that, uh, I think it's a combination as well, because everyone was saying, oh, it's jinxed, this bloody tournament. Like, <laughs> no, what happened is you have blokes that are basically tearing up their bodies all year. Yes. And the only reason it's holding it together is because they're doing it safely and not actually legitimately trying to hurt each other. Mm. But if you get that straw and you put that on the camel's back, that brawl for all, that's when those injuries are going to come in yes. in waves. Absolutely. And they did. Yes, and it's it's almost like I don't know because they probably thought they were all good fighters. They might not have trained as enough, or they're like you know, well, well didn't think about the other guy was that bad. So I'm just gonna, you know. Well, one of the participants, the Godfather, yeah, who used who used to brawl a lot in bars, yeah, he was smoking weed before every match. He said, yeah, and he's like, oh, I did it all time. He's like, well, you weren't taking it seriously though. It seems like the other guys were like. Like Bart Gunn, yeah. He, he he was like, this is my chance, yes. Yeah, and it should have been. And yeah. I agree with Vince Russo on this because Jim Cornette confronted him after he after Bart Gunn knocked out Dr. Death. Mm. And he's like, you fucking happy? You just pissed away millions of dollars. And he's like, what's the big deal? We'll just make Bart Gunn the guy now. And you should have. They, they could have given it a go, at least. That's like the best natural push you can ask for is that, okay, the people know he can legitimately fight and is a dangerous human being. Yeah. Just repackage him as like this just dangerous killer that just mows through people. Yeah, it's also like There's... maybe use his, his natural abilities. Like if he's not that great on the mic and stuff, maybe take him away from that and highlight more of that stuff you're talking about, the, the fact exactly. that he's a legitimate fighter. Yeah. Like have him be a silent killer, just go in, wreck people, leave. Yeah. If you want to give him a mouthpiece, give him a manager. It's not that hard. Yeah, totally. Wrestling isn't hard, people. <laughs> Just give the people what they want. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you agree that it's the worst idea in wrestling? I mean, for the fact that it had more real-world consequences of people mm, getting injured sure. and 
careers getting shortened or ended, I would say yes. Entertainment-wise, there's probably been worse ideas. There's, there's been people cooking dogs yeah. into food and making the owners eat them. There's been men getting their penises cut off. It's been, there's been lots of shit stuff in wrestling over the years. Child's custody papers, mm. <laughs> top of the ladder. Oi! Oi! <laughs> That's one of the best moments. How dare you? No, we did love that moment. I, I, I think I don't know if it's you know I don't have the the knowledge to know if it's the very worst idea. I think execution wise it was pretty poor though. So, oh yeah, definitely. Well, the, they didn't even fucking know what the rules were. No, no one really. really. <laughs> yeah, even the judges. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I had to feel sorry for Bart Gunn though when he won, and then he's kind of like waiting around for his push to come. It wasn't coming, and they just left him at home, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't know what to do with you." It's like, okay. Something. Be good. Yeah, anything would be good, yeah. And, then and they, what do they do? Well, they, they set him up to fail. Yep, so they make him fight Butterbeam, which is mm. one of the most dangerous boxes of all time. Totally. The knockout power. Oof. Yeah, oh, his, his strike. I don't know how, deceptively, because he's a big guy, but just his jabs that, I, that we saw in this, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, mate, he's dangerous. And an actual and... boxer. Let's not forget that. Yes. Not just someone <laughs> yeah. who... It's he, actually, ring. <laughs> he probably knows how to fight. He's not just a good bar brawler. Yeah. And it's he got his, his footwork and he was getting in, jabbing, getting away, like, oh my god. Well, I th- what I found interesting, because they yeah, they made Bart Gunn fight Butterbean at I think it was WrestleMania 15. Hmm. What I found interesting is that Butterbean said that well, first of all, he confirmed that he was brought in to punish Bart Gunn for winning, hmm. which is petty. Yes. But he also said that if Bart Gunn had fought like he did in the Brawl for All, like, you know, takedowns, mm. bit mm. of mixed martial arts and that, he would have had a 50-50 chance of winning. Yeah, it's interesting to think about, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But Bart Gunn decided to box with a professional boxer and promptly got knocked out. Mm. And then, yeah, careers dwindled ever since, sadly. In America, anyway. In Japan, he went on to have a bit of success. Mm. So... All's well that ends well. Yeah, good episode though. And really one that gets in behind the scenes and the, all that sort of um, that politics behind the scenes is just interesting sometimes as the as the fights on in the in the ring. So Yeah, yeah. And and not as dark as other episodes. A bit lighter one, this one. Yeah. Um not the next one though, Dylan. No. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now, the next one is called Season 3. No, wait, Season 2, this one is. Anyway, it's Jimmy Snooker episode. You'll find it. 
thoughts out the gate, Lonnie? I'm just wondering how many wrestlers have got over murder. Dylan, how many of them have done this? Look, I'll be honest, probably a quarter, if not more, of these episodes are about wrestlers murdering or getting murdered. Yeah. So, hmm. a lot. I was gonna, but For a second, I thought you were going to say quarter of all wrestlers ever have got away with murder. I was like, oh my God, Dylan. But I mean... Not that high. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, oh, especially yeah. those blokes from the 80s, 90s, 70s. Mm, it was a wild yeah. time back then. Oh, so, <laughs> the Jimmy Snooker, he was the sort of brought high flying aspect into wrestling back in the 80s, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely one of the first high flyers in WWE, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, very famous, very famous in the world of wrestling. Um, there's a bit where they show in the episode where he jumps off the steel cage, does a splash. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the most. Famous moments in all of wrestling. Really? Okay. Yep. So he was a big deal. He was a big deal. Mm. Um, but, clearly talented, well, obviously, just from what we could see in this. And as you're saying, is well, he's one of the, the big big names back then. Well, Lonnie, when you're 50% cocaine, I think you can do anything. <laughs> well, that's it. I was going to say, back in the 80s, we probably didn't have language for it that we have now. Um, but it seems like he's very clearly in a... Well, presented as a domestic violence situation where he was enforcing coercive control over his girlfriend, Nancy. Yeah. And on drugs, um, which makes for a troubled sort of relationship. A lot of drugs. Yes. Like they said, he would just unashamedly just snort cocaine in the car in, yeah. while they're driving down the highway. Yeah, yeah. Not, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a secret shame or anything. It was just no. his life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there was at least one instance where there was actual domestic violence that was investigated by police, um, and then Nancy died. So Jimmy's story is that apparently she was going to get in the car, she slipped, tripped, and banged her head. Uh, He took her to the hotel room, she went to sleep, and he left to go wrestle. And then when he came back, she was dead. Thing is, though, she had abrasions all over her face, bruising around her neck. That's not consistent with tripping and hitting your head, Lonnie. No, not at all. Um, and also, if, if she hurt her head so badly, wouldn't you take her to hospital or get a doctor in her at least? At least. Yes. And also, there's another passenger in the car with him at the time. Who doesn't remember any... Does not remember Nancy tripping at all. You think she's no mention that. of it? Doesn't he mention them stopping so she leave the car at all? No, doesn't even mention that. No. It also wasn't Jimmy's story at first that she had fallen over in the room. Yep. Like it. Yep. Total fabrication. Yes. Hundred percent an obvious fabrication, Lonnie. Yeah, not even. Yeah, not even one week. And it's like, oh, maybe from one a certain point of view sort of thing. No, not at all. No. And the investigation was handled horribly because at the time, Chief of Police was the most inept man in history. Seems like it. He had no explanation for anything that happened here, Lonnie. Mm-hmm. It, it was insane. They're just the interviewers are just asking him his questions were like, um like why didn't you investigate this further or why didn't you check the autopsy report mm. or what happened in this meeting room? He's just like, oh, must not have been important. Must not have been important. Well, must like, have mattered to the investigation. Yeah, there's, everything else is is um, recorded with like a transcript, except the one meeting, which seems was the one before he got off. Oh, 
Didn't have any details for that one to include in the report? No. Okay. Ah, mustn't have been important one he yeah. said. But that was the meeting where, according to Jimmy Snooker in his autobiography, Vince came in with a big briefcase and then charges were dropped after that. Mm. It's um, not hard to work out what happened there, but... What are you What are you saying, Lonnie? I'm not saying anything, Dylan, but... I'll, what I'll... could you say if you were a bolder man? <laughs> if I were a bolder man, you could kind of see why the police looked the other way. Perhaps they were in some way compensated for their aversion. Vince bribed them. Seems like it. He Seems did. Seems like it. And what we should say, though, is that this there's another wrinkle to the story is that he was charged, Jimmy Snooker, with murder 30 years later because of, like, just some, you know... They call it boot leather journalism by the local paper. Looked into a bit further and found all these different... Well, I think it was pretty clear back then, if you looked into it, that it wasn't going to make any sense, but he found some evidence that the coroner's report said, you know, investigate further, and they didn't, so... Yeah, no, nuts. nuts. Unfortunately, though, the, it's a little bit unsatisfactory, isn't it, the ending, because no one really got their day in court because Jimmy Snooker was sick at the time of that He's trial. suffering from... Horrendous dementia, apparently, yeah. like he didn't know what was happening when he was in the courtroom and everything. So they said. And also yeah. then he also succumbed to cancer not too long after this. And basically they said he wasn't fit to stand trial. But that's really... No, I that's... think the trial was in 2015 and he died in 2017, yeah. I think. So, yeah. That's, um, it's, it's really tough. They said in the documentary, but I'll say it again here, is like if he is innocent, he didn't get to clear his name and he didn't have a day in court. And in reality... He's, you know, the family of, of, of Nancy Argentino didn't get justice either, so... No one wins. No one wins in that scenario. That really, yeah. And maybe the documentary's got the name out there and they've got the story out there, because I don't know anything about this, so it's like some small thing is that her death hasn't been lost to history. Yeah. Just really sad, though. This one is just, you know, it's, it's the unfortunate consequence of domestic violence ends up this way and to get away with it again power and money they seem to win don't they Dylan unfortunately unfortunately but then from the ashes Bonnie, a phoenix rises season 3 episode 10 blood and wire Onita's FMW what did you think well Dylan when it comes to wrestling I, I kind of think a clothesline is a bit much sometimes. A moonsault is dramatic for me. The ladders are hardcore. So FMW was a bit over the line for me, a bit OTT, but very fascinating to watch from this perspective in history. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, Dylan. FMW, the hardest of all the hardcore wrestling I've ever seen myself. It's up there. It's definitely up there. So this episode is about is basically about... Atsushi Onida, who's a Japanese wrestler who, in the 80s, after touring America, uh, he got kicked in the face and started bleeding profusely. And in light bulb moment, Lonnie, crowds respond well to blood and hardcore wrestling. They do. They do. They <laughs> so do. he's like, you know what I should do? That times a million. Yeah, that every, every time. Every time I wrestle. Because <laughs> um, it seems like in... In um, Japan, it had been a bit more conservative up until that point. Their wrestling was more traditional style stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's a combination of that tour in America, and he also, they say, shattered his kneecap. 
it seemed like it was a compound fracture, which means his kneecap or his bones of his knee were exposed, like through the yeah. skin. Like, so he, he couldn't wrestle like he would have if he had. No, no, no it yeah. limited his movements in the ring going forward. So that's why he mainly did hardcore matches to compensate, because you don't have to really do anything athletic. You just have to have a high pain tolerance. So he does blading, barbed wire rope still, <laughs> exploding ropes with like. Barbed wire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fire around the edge, which I definitely thought was mm. going to end up with everyone dying in that in that ring. And it nearly did. We'll talk about very, it. Very yeah. nearly did. Also matches in the middle of pools, so people being thrown out into the water. <laughs> and exploding. And exploding, of course. Yes. Yeah, dramatic stuff. It's madness. It's madness. Very much, it? if you can think it, you can do it sort of style. <laughs> pretty much, and that's pretty much what they said about Onita the whole time. It was like he was always trying to type himself, always thinking of the next crazy thing and then just doing it. Interesting is that FMW was his promotion, right? Yeah. And it was pretty much based around him, which is like in some level that's an interesting approach. Like it's different to having a, a rotating roster of other wrestlers and whatever, but it's a lot of pressure on yourself. And as the as we find out, what happens after you leave? It pretty much dies without pretty the main much. attraction. Basically, yeah, yeah. But before we get to that, okay, let's talk about on. that fire match. Yes. So basically what they do is they pretty much just lit the ropes on fire and it just got out of control and it was so insane. So quickly, so quickly. Yes, very. It was scary to watch. Um, I think Sabu, it was one of the wrestlers in the match, he was like the fucking logo on the mat was just melting in his hands. Yeah. And Onita said there was no oxygen in there because obviously the fire sucking in all yeah, out. Yeah. They, they should have all died. Let's face it. Well, it's I amazing that they didn't. Oh, it's incredible. So they, they got out. Three of them got out. And then one of the wrestlers, the Sheik, who was Sabu's uncle, was still in there. Hmm. And in the, in the doco, Onita's like, I'm sad to say that the Sheik didn't make it. I was like, holy shit, did someone burn alive in the middle of a wrestling match? No, he did get out on the other side. Yeah, come on. It's <laughs> okay how you present the story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he did have 60% third-degree burns all over his body. Well, yeah. they said his, his back was burning and, and had stuff on it, so they threw water on it, and the skin just melted mm, off. Mm-mm. No good. No, don't like that. So that was cooked. Um, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. And... Then, <laughs> You cut that out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, Imagine messing with your uncle, by the way. It's, it's a weird <laughs> No, I think that'd be great. That'd be fun. What if me and my nephew become wrestlers in 20 years? That'd be a laugh. That'd okay. be so funny. All right. There's not enough bloody uncle-nephew tag teams out there, Lonnie. <laughs> there needs to be more. Okay. I'm putting my foot down. All right. Will it be, what's what's my what's my um, persona going to be? What's my shtick? Your gimmick? Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you like to do? What's you turned up to 11, Lonnie? Mm, maybe- Is it reading three books a day? <laughs> do, I, do I come in and, and start correcting people on their biopics or something? It's a very niche gimmick, but, you know, anyone can make anything work. We can make it work. Or maybe maybe I don't talk. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, someone got, assassin, Lonnie Gilroy. You've got 20 years to work it out. <laughs> Fair enough. Start thinking. Start thinking. <laughs> uh, and then there was, yeah, a couple other matches. Um, 
Terry Funk featured in a lot. Mm. One of the greatest of all time. He's oh, yeah. amazing. You like him, do you? Mate, who, everyone loves Terry Funk. If you like pro wrestling, you love Terry Funk. Okay. He's incredible. <laughs> um, He's got such a, a great, unique voice, too. Mm. It's kind of like high-pitched and breathy, but he's like one of the toughest guys in the history of the business. So it's a funny, <laughs> funny juxtaposition. Yeah, Is that yeah. the right word? Yeah, that works, yeah. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Is that your gimmick? Human Dictionary? I don't know about that. Okay, all right. Uh, but there was a match where it was like an exploding barbed wire death match where there was like a countdown mm. running throughout the whole match. And once it got to zero, the ring was just going to explode. And there's this great moment that Chris Jericho is like, where he says it's like the greatest baby face thing he's seen anyone do of all time. Where it's counting down, Onita's just beaten Funk. And then Funk's laying there because he just got beat, just got knocked out, seemingly. Hmm. And Onita's like looking back and he's like, the countdown's going down to 10. He's like, fuck, I've got to, got to do something. So he gets in there, tries to wake him up, but bloody hell, Lonnie, he can't, can't wake up Terry Funk. So what's he do? He jumps over and protects him from the explosion. Amazing. That's Amazing. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is good stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like it wasn't just like the violence turned up to 11. It was actually the, the drama as well. Oh, <laughs> definitely. Well, it's like every episode ended with him crying and screaming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say, I think Chris Jericho said after every match, he'd just be crying just because he poured his heart out in his match and he'd just get on the mic and just be like, love you, follow your dreams. Thank you for supporting me. <laughs> Great stuff. Good stuff, yeah. Um. So it takes an ego to do that, obviously. It seems like Anita had and has one of has the biggest. Yet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Do you know much about his other life or his life outside wrestling, Dylan? No, not too much. This is pretty much the most I'd heard of him. Right. Um, I didn't realize he was the one that Terry Funk wrestled that match with because I watched that years ago. Oh, right. I see. Yeah. But what I read is that he went into politics, like our mate oh, did he? Antonio Noki. Um, but something he had to resign after there was a scandal where he organised a threesome with some porn stars what? in his office or something. So, oh my goodness! Yeah, and he also apparently he he reckons he slept with over twenty thousand women. I'd, I'd believe that. He seems like the kind of guy, especially with how he turned up in this interview. Like he's got leather jacket on, he's smoking. Mm. I think he thinks he's the coolest cat on the block. <laughs> I mean. Like it's one of those things. Like he is pretty cool, though. Like even though he's probably oh, he is. You have to admit he is a bit cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I I have to admit, Dylan, I I hadn't really understood the um, yakuza element of Japanese wrestling before. I guess I should have expected it, but it seems like that they they play a part at least back in in this era. Yeah, pr- maybe still today. Oh, okay. I don't know. They're involved in a lot of stuff in Japan. Yeah, they're like unofficially. The government. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, yeah, they, because they, would they own all the arenas or something? So they kind of had to work with them or? Yeah. And that, I mean, that's real estate. That's how it works, Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. They take over. That's, yeah. Yeah. Because the Zero has a big real estate storyline. You'd know if you'd played it. Well, I'll, you just I'll get it on the shelf. I'll no, get you, no. You just bought it and thought you'd look at it. That's no, good. No, good it's job. Ready, it's ready to go. Ready to go. No, no, you're just looking at it, aren't you? I don't play it yet. Got, you don't care. I've got a lot you don't care about engaging do. storylines. You don't care about engaging storylines. The fun gameplay. 
and cheeky dialogue. You don't care, Lonnie. I, I will care. I'll let you know when I when I get there. All right. Okay. As I said, anyway. Dylan, if you get me sacked from my job, I'll play okay. this. Okay, mate. At the drop of a dime, I could do that. Consider it done. Okay. The, the stuff I have on you, oh, mate, that puts you away for years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, eventually, I need to got a bit sick of it. I think after five years, I think they said. Yeah, and, and five years of being the man, like not just oh, true, turn true. up to work every day. It's like no, you're in charge, and it's all well, riding on you. I know, but don't show too much sympathy. As Terry Funk said, he had sticky fingers. He was yes. <laughs> stealing all the money pretty much. That is true. And he said, like, in the docker, he's, at his peak, he was earning $2 million a year. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, if that's already accounting for the money he also steals from the company <laughs> or if that's including. I don't know. Hey. I've mm. also read that apparently he was trying to get into an acting career and that's why he left. And yeah, I think he did one film, didn't he? Yeah, and it fizzled out. And he was like, fuck, <laughs> better get back to wrestling. But he'd already handed it over to his ring announcer, Arai. Yeah. And so he did come back, but after a bit, he kind of forced him to leave. <laughs> kind of yeah, him. well, he, I think he wanted to come back and be the boss, but they were like, well, no, you left and left us in charge. So. Which I mean, it's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I've, it's very sad then, didn't it, Dylan? Because the guy he left it mm. to, it seems like at least. Could not run a business. Well, the way it was presented, he wasn't equipped to, yeah. Yeah, so he ended up borrowing a lot of money from loan sharks, mm-hmm. and and the product itself got really bad too. Yeah, like they're doing gross out shit, like firecrackers in asses and urinating on people. It's just yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like oh, we won't do the hardcore stuff anymore because that's too much. But we'll just do. We'll still be extreme, just yeah. in a different area. Extremely gross. Okay. Yes. Cool. Not not good. Not entertaining. No, no, no. And. Uh, yeah, what else happened? Because, yeah, he left the main event spot basically to this wrestler called Hayabusa, mm. who sadly ended up paralyzing himself in the mm. ring, which also contributed to the downfall of F&W. How horrifying was that moment you saw him got injured, Lonnie? Uh, it's seared in my brain, Dylan. It's awful. Really Is bad. He tri- for those watching at home, don't have to watch it, but he's basically going to do a flip. He's going to jump on the ropes and do a flip, and he slips, and his head's already tilted back, ready to do a flip, mm. so he lands on his forehead and just, yeah, mm. instantly paralysed. Yeah. Not good. Not good. But he, he does uh, he does learn to walk again, which is a very touching moment. Mm. But he sadly passed sad- away, though. Sadly has also passed away, yeah. You'd think there'd be more injuries like that in wrestling, but... And they, they do happen, don't they? But you can see how professional oh, yeah, they are and, and you know, mistakes happen. Well, I'm not having to go anywhere. I'm just saying. I'd say know. it's probably more common with wrestlers starting out, sadly. You probably sure. don't hear about a lot of those. Okay. Whereas the pros that have done it for a while, it's very rare to see. Yeah, because it's amazingly safe, a lot of the wrestling, isn't it, that they do? Well, that's what they aim to do, yeah, yeah. be safe. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, sadly injuries happen. Mm. Well, they happen in all sports, don't they? But oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, good episode, good, good episode showing yeah. the rise and fall of FMW and kind of Bonita himself. Yeah, I really liked it. I, all episodes are good, Dylan. I think to start with a documentary series, I'm going to watch more of these. I think. Hello. Okay. I would love that, mate. Maybe around two in the future. <laughs> well, here's a cheeky little get amongst it. I'll tell you some episodes you yes, should watch. Yes, please do. And the please. people at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Collision in Korea, 
Um, I would have put that on here, but we already kind of talked about it in Yeah, the I'll watch that eventually episode. to get the more of the... Because we talked about it, but I'll get more of the... You should. Okay. You should. It's really good. Um, they weren't able to get one of the key players, such as Ric Flair, for an interview, which would have been amazing. Would have automatically made it the best episode of the show. <laughs> um, but the people they did get was pretty good, and yeah, very entertaining and just bizarre story. Um, I would also say... The last episode so far of season three, The Steroid Trials. Okay. Which is basically about uh, when Vince McMahon was put on trial for apparently handing steroids out to all these employees and everything. I don't believe those guys were on steroids, Dylan. <laughs> I think it was all natural. They're Lonnie. huge bodies. One the ignorant fool. Is there some sort of behind the scenes nature of wrestling I didn't know about. Well, this will shock you. Yeah. Some of those boys did drugs. What? Some of those boys did cocaine and heroin. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. No, nah, not heroin, but there was coke being snorted nonstop. It seems like in, in, in any field in the 80s, if you were good at it. <laughs> if you were living high. Yeah. Acting, being a lawyer, business. Music. Top they wrestler. Just, they just gave it to you. Cocaine. Yeah, it out. just turned up. Yeah. It's like part of your pay. Yeah, it's like you earn a certain amount of money and you just get that. And a certain amount of cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. Bloody hell. See, that's a good one because you actually get the interview with Vince's lawyer that got him off and he is incredibly smart. Like, he's really? a very, very witty man. Yeah. Okay. So, watch that. Um... You probably won't like it, but people should watch the new Jack episode because that is very entertaining. It involves hardcore stuff again, but still worth a watch. You mentioned that one. He's a bit of a strange bloke, right? Very, very. Uh, I'll, get, I'll get amongst it. I'll get amongst it. Okay. It's, I probably wouldn't say there's anything worse than what was in this one. All so right, sure. Should be fine. And yeah, the Chris Benoit two-parter and the Brian Pillman two-parters are both very good, but mm-hmm. also very sad. Yeah. So... Cool. It's not a series you can binge, I would say. No, but it's a it's kind of a pick up put down because each episode's about something yes. new and pretty interesting. Yeah, good stuff, Very Dylan. much so. Good Very idea. much. Thank you. Lonnie. Mm-hmm. How are we at with being on socials? Are we there yet? Dylan, we're on all the socials. <gasps> Facey, Insta, Twitter, even though I don't post much on Twitter, but I should more. We're still there. No, it's a shit hole, so don't bother. But anyway. <laughs> We've got a website. We've got the YouTube with some highlights on there as well. I reckon people should get in touch, Dylan. I'm thinking about this, right? Yeah. So say you had three friends and you told them about the show and mm. then those three, three friends told their three friends and so on and so forth. Mm. Guess what? Trickle Dylan? down economics. Exactly. Before too long, we're on top. Joe Rogan, Mark Maron, they're knocking on our door like, please let me be on your show. You're the best podcast in the world. We want some of your listeners. And we'll say, fine, Mark Maron. But only if you talk about Glow the whole time. Yes. Good show. Cut down its prime, I reckon. <sighs> Disgusting. I reckon they can do a movie. I reckon they'll do that eventually. Maybe. Top it off. Maybe. Might be good. Anyway. <laughs> yes, that's right. If you want us to talk to Mark Maron about Glow, <laughs> tell three friends. Spread the word. Spread, spread that word. Spread that word, everybody. Spread that sweet word. Um, also, Dylan, I haven't mentioned my other podcast in a while, so I thought I should now. It's called... I only like you and movies. You've been on there. Had a good time, didn't you? 
Yeah, I had a great time talking to Sine. And me? What? <laughs> we we spoke about the Suicide Squad. It was good stuff. Were you there? I was there. Don't you remember? Oh. I, was the, I was the other guy oh. there. That was me. It felt like me and Sine having a lovely chat about a movie. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that also like this podcast, you go back that catalogue, lots of episodes there, you'll find something you like. And that movie, that... And that podcast, we talk about recent movies, so you'll pretty much find every movie in the last four or five years on there in their review of it. So, yeah, pick your faves. Get back in there. I know I will. <laughs> thank you, Dylan. <laughs> um, I want to thank Mark for our theme song, Good Man. Oh, Mark the Man. Oh, that's right. Well, his wrestling would be good, wouldn't it? It'd be like a come out with a guitar probably and... Oh, yeah. yeah. He could sing his own theme song on the way to the ring. Yeah, oh, good stuff. That'd All be right. great. He'll do that with his nephew, probably. <laughs> Tag team. And he's, his finisher could be called Dream Street. <laughs> and he could put the opponent to sleep. It'd oh. be great. Why don't you um, want to be the promoter of these bloody wrestling? Mate, I could. I could. I've got so many good ideas. I I'm like Vince Russo, mate. Yeah. It's called I Miss You Man Wrestling. Promotion. I M Y M P. No, that's not a good abbreviation. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll work that off pod. (laughs) (laughs) Come up with that wrestling federation name. Okay, sounds good. Until next time, Dylan, I miss you, man. I miss you, man. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.